0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minutes, a daily podcast in which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast.
1: Hey, and I'm Rob Cabasco. And Kyle. Yes, sir. You, as a writer, mm. certainly must be concerned with one indelible question Can we run out of ink? <laughs>
0: Oh, that's that's true. Is it possible? I, I would expect so that ink cannot be recycled. Oh, it can only be but g- guess what? I am what? glad we're
1: talking about this. Yeah. So so here's the deal. If we're going to ask that question, we should answer the first question of is what is ink? Mm. Ink is either an organic or inorganic pigment or dye dissolved or suspended in a solvent. It's basically paint. That's what oh. paint is. OK, so we have to mix it up
0: um, so every and it's a pen. is just a miniature paint roller,
1: a little a, a ballpoint pen. You, yeah. Actually. Wow. I mean, it's okay. thin. It's much yeah, thinner. Well, paint. sure. The viscosity is different. But yes. Now, here's the deal. For most of modern history, that solvent has been petroleum based and petroleum. I'm talking about the Texas tea, you know, the black gold. <laughs> I'm talking about that. Right? First thing you, you know. Exactly. Now. In the 1970s, rising oil prices caused, in the United States, the Newspaper Association of America to look at different ways of making ink. They tested over 2,000 different oil formulations, many of them involving vegetable oils. They came up with a solution that uses soybean oil. In 1987, it was tested in Iowa, and the printing test was successful. Fast forward to today, more than 90% of our daily newspapers are printed with color soy ink. Why is that important? Because soy ink, it gives us brighter colors, it's biodegradable, and it's renewable. Because soybeans, you can grow more that's if true. you'd like to create more soybean oil to make more ink. So the answer, can we run out of ink? N- n- no. No, we can't.
0: <laughs> and that's <laughs> going and- to be a significant uh <laughs> A question that is going to be answered here in ninety-four of Iron Man 2 from 2010, director of John Favreau. But you had more to say on ink. No, I didn't. I just said, once again, Justin Hammer, the beautiful (laughs) writing of this character, he
1: says something he thinks is smart.
0: Uh Uh-huh it turns out it's the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, especially if we're a technologist. Yes! Uh, So we've picked up where we left off, which is the middle of just, or the very beginning, I should say, of Justin Hammer's speech at uh, the Tony's Expo. Um, And he's when, he, when he's talking about it, he's referring to the Iron Man, the Iron Man armor. Iron Man. <laughs> so he, he continues on here, mid-94. Sadly, that technology was kept out of reach. I like that. Was kept out of reach. Not mm-hmm. is out of reach, but was kept out of reach. That's not fair. That's not right. And it's just too bad. <laughs> and they cut to the, the audience, and Pepper and Natalie are out there, and Pepper goes, Oh, Lord. <laughs> like, oh, this guy. Um, so then Justin says, regardless, it was an impressive innovation, one that grabbed the headlines the world over. Well, today, my friends, the press is faced with quite a difficult problem. They are about to run out of ink. <laughs> no. And it's just crickets. Like, it's just like. Oh, there's like two people in the audience. Yeah. That lady uh, behind Pepper. That's like.
1: Okay. But here's what's gr- here's what's brilliant about that. It's, again, another moment of Justin not being able to read the audience. He in his mind thinks that this is such an amazing joke that I'm going to pull and it's going to be like, whoa, here's what he's not getting. One on the surface, most people hear that joke and go, that's dumb. (laughs) First of all, it's modern times. I don't read a newspaper. I've touched a newspaper in 10 years. What are you talking about? But I love the fact that there is even a greater nuance to the joke in that they they can't run out of ink because we can make more ink. (laughs) Like this is the same as the James Joyce Ulysses joke that we we mentioned earlier in the movie, oh, right? Uh, like, right. Yeah. It's no, and, and I love this. Like, if you don't, if you don't know yeah. the detail, the depths of this look
0: like it's written in crayon.
1: It, it was. It, like, was. it was. <laughs> I love. I love the writing of his character. <laughs> yes, showing that it's so superficial. Like, I just, oh, I just think this is great. And honestly, I've never. Okay, to be really honest with you, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I always thought the joke was that, uh, nobody reads newspapers anymore. Oh, well, that's a picture yeah, too. Yeah. No,
0: it's a deeper joke than that because uh-huh.
1: they can't run out of ink because you yeah. don't even understand how that how that works. Anyway. Yeah,
0: so then as the as as his joke is is flatlined. Uh, and it does, and it's totally flat. it completely yeah. is gone. Has off right a now. couple of people uh come in and take the podium off. But it made me start to think of of you know, public speaking. And I was curious, what is the largest crowd you have ever spoken in front of? Oh, you personally, Rob me personally in my days of
1: when I was in high school, I was in key club. And I know we've mentioned this, I think like different things. I think I have spoken probably in front of 3000 people,
0: 3000. Okay. 3000. Wow. And what was like, were you giving a professional speech? Like you had, you would get, you had written a speech in advance. And like this, was like, like there's a bunch of speeches that oh, day. Like yeah. A, oh,
1: no. Oh, a lot of times I spoke at multiple conventions, uh-huh. like, I mean, where I would actually have to give remarks. And those ranged anywhere from a thousand to three thousand people. Yes. Multiple
0: times. Did, did you ever have a joke that just died like that? Were you like, this is a funny line? Actually, I know it sounds like a bit, but I'm actually, I'm legitimately no. curious about this. No, no, no. I actually
1: <laughs> have. I can actually think of. There was a, I think one of the first times I went back after I graduated high school and I went back to speak at one of the conventions, I had some weird, I can't believe I'm remembering this. I had some weird story about uh, alliteration and I was using the word P and I was talking about passion. Oh, I cannot believe I'm remembering this. (laughs) I was trying to bring it all together, like parents and your passion and your purpose. And then I think I actually tried to connect that to like, at the time in the nineties, we, we all knew it. PPP was point to point protocol. And I think I tried to make a connection. And let me just say something to you. Every one of the 15 and 16 year old kids that were in that room, like a thousand of them did not get what I was saying. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, ah, crap. Hey, everyone, just have a great weekend. Uh-huh. Enjoy yourselves. Don't enjoy yourselves too much. We'll see you on Sunday. Like yeah. I think It
0: was one of those where you just go, it's always better to just admit that, admit defeat Yep. and then just move on. Just move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, this is this is more of an anecdote than a story. So I uh, like uh, the, uh, so I'm telling you this because it doesn't have like a big. A uh, big climax, but okay. the biggest crowd I ever spoke in front of was about five thousand people, uh, and this was during the time when I was working as a moderator for Phoenix Comic Con, and oh, now it's yeah, become yeah, yeah. Phoenix Fan Fusion, and now because of the state of the world, I don't even know if that's even a thing anymore. Yeah, I don't um, know but uh, so you start out, and you and you get you go through your training, and you so you work your way up. So you start out with very small panels, there. so. Uh, my first panel actually ended up being in, like, what we call the big room, which is basically the the audience hall that, that fills. But it was in a Sunday morning. And it was very small. And so, like, of only a small group of people. It was for Tron, the movie. They were doing a you know a thing on Tron. And so we had a couple actors from Tron on there. It was a great panel, but there was only, you know, a handful of people showed up. So maybe, sure. you know, 60 people or whatever. So it was good for my first one. But then as the years go by, you build up and build up, and then you get you show that you can handle yourself. So... I wasn't actually scheduled to be the the moderator for this panel, and it was a panel for Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell uh, was. Mm-hmm. It will always be Green Arrow, but at the time he was on Green Arrow. So this is like the, between like the fourth and fifth season. So like Green Arrow is like the hottest show on on you know the CW at the time. Um, so he, it was a big deal that he was there. So I was just backstage working, uh, but I wasn't actually scheduled to be on his panel. Uh, his moderator uh, was a, a different person. And so they were talking about, so what you do is when you're part of their you're you're basically responsible for that person so like there is a team that makes sure that they're where they're supposed to be and then they sort of hand it off to you because you're going to be on stage with that person and so they there is a the conversation always then has to happen how do they want to do it? Like different uh, performers are different, have different comfort levels. So I've had people who are like, I've done a hundred of these, man. Like, just introduce me, great. Like that's like our job sure. is basically do whatever they want to do. So I've, I basically come out and say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, person X, and they come out. I walk off stage. I just sit there and I keep time to make sure that they're because we, you know, like you, they only could talk for an hour. Like they don't get to <laughs> spend all day, uh, nor do they want to. And so then I come back on stage, you know, five minutes before, and say, oh, last question, and then take them off stage. Other people are not as comfortable in big groups, which is totally understandable, and so you have to stay with them, the, the and that's and that's part of your job. And additionally, it could be that the audience is just there to see them. They, they really don't want to have a conversation or ask questions or anything, sure. and so your job as moderator is to keep the conversation going. Uh, and so you actually have to have stuff prepared just in case... Uh, there's, you know, that that no one in the audience has any questions, and so that's that's part of your. This is the training you go through. So uh, in this case, uh, Stephen wanted to come out with the moderator, uh, the 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 woman who's doing the panel with him. Like he wanted them to come out together and then stay there together through the panel and stuff. So um, I happened to be there, and so they asked me if I would go out. And do basically the housekeeping is what we call it. So, and so, so like I and, and so I just basically got to walk out there and go, "Hey, everybody! I hope you're here. I hope You're excited." You know, and so you go through all the stuff. Like um, because it was a full house, it was everyone moving. It. And I I walked out and I stood there for a second, and it was like. This is a full house. Like every seat, this is full, and people are standing at the walls. I'm like, and so I was like, I know this room seats five thousand people. There are five thousand people in those seats. And I don't, I, the thing don't is, think about that. I know. Don't well, that's the thing that. is, I don't. I don't actually get stage fright like that. Right. Um. So I, it was fine, but it was sort of like I'm like, wow, well, this is kind of neat. And so like I have some shtick, you know. It's so, like oh, I do. Oh so, no. yeah, Oh no, I do. I like you know because you do this, and because I I know that. I've been at so many conventions, so many panels and stuff too, and, and, and I know sort of what the person on the front says, and they always do it, so I try and shake it up so that they don't know exactly what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it, so I'm right, telling right. you the same stuff I'm telling you, if there's open spaces, move in, and so, you know, like uh, I remember at the Renaissance Fair, they do they play a game called, grope your neighbor, where you turn to your left, and you grope <laughs> and slide, and grope and slide, so I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that but I did variations on that, just to you know, like I said, like, you know, I know that your limited edition Rick and Morty print is important to you, but it's not important enough to have its own seat. So I'm gonna need you to take that off and put it under this you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, like, and so those kind of things. And so I just basically doing a little thing just to say, here's what's going on. And like, you know, this is when we're going to start. Here's how it's going to go. Questions are over there. You need to go out. The, let's have to. And I, you know, get up there and do my, my five minutes <laughs> and then walk off and do that. So like I said, I, it wasn't like I didn't crash and burn. I didn't fall off the stage. Everything. I got some laughs, which is what I no, always like because that's like, that's I'm like they're right actually there. listening. And I, I, I always like to make a reference to the show so they sure. know that I'm a fan so I made—I can't remember what it was because it was so many years ago. But like, I made a Green Arrow reference, so they know that I'm not just like. Like a shill, you know. Like wow. I'm, like I'm, like I'm in on the joke with you. Like I'm also a fan, and I, I like, and I'm saying, like, I, and, and, and you know, I, I would say stuff like, I saw him backstage. Yes, he's here, and yes, he is as, as good looking as you hoped he would be. You know, like that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, to get the crowd excited and stuff too. And they laugh and stuff too. And they and later on in the crowd, like I actually had a couple people, I, literally two, come up and say, Hey, you did a really great job up there. And I said, Oh, thank you very much. Because I, I was just on for that five minutes, you know. Like, sure. but that's And so, like, I, my panels never really got that. Big. <laughs> I had some people. I have some names and I've met a lot of people, but my I never really got to get the the triple A. You know, right. the the main person, the person that's like that. Their name is right underneath the name of right. the show that they're at. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, right, you know, right. Comic Con presents, and then like Clark Greg or whatever. Like, I never got to that level um, uh, before I retired from moderating. But uh, yeah, so that the biggest crowd I ever addressed was that one, and it went pretty well. I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: coin a phrase that i guarantee will be used again but it is it is great to hear your story of how you became the prince of the pivot <laughs> <laughs> that's quite spectacular we we all are trying to be you because you just <laughs> Oh my God! This turned
0: into a love fest. For you I know and me. We, we have all, a minute to talk. About. I know, right? Let's. Say, I mean, it's like this. The, we have more to talk about. It's not the one of those minutes where there's nothing to talk about. There actually is stuff. But I, oh, yeah, I really yeah, thought. I know that you have done a lot of public speaking, and so I thought you might have those kind of stories. And I was not like, oh, that's a, that's a fun category. Kind of I mean, I can I can tell you stories when panels have gone horribly wrong, or I can tell oh, stories of like yeah. when when the people on the panel were actively hostile to me, and I had to like keep going with a smile on my <laughs> face. But like, <laughs> I was more just thinking about. It's the size of the crowd.
1: Let me tell you something. Whenever you think things are bad, self-deprecating humor is always the way to go. Sure. Because people love to slam other people. So, I mean, that's always good for a laugh. And at this point, well, and and here's the thing. Okay. As we pivot back to uh, Justin Hammer. The the thing I love about this is, is that he's bombed. Okay. That joke bombed. He doesn't even realize to the depths of which it bombed.
0: But he knows. he knows. Cuz he's pissed.
1: Yeah, well, because and plus there was like two people that clapped. So you have the two stagehands come to take the podium away, and I love the fact that he's like, yeah, "Get that out of here." <laughs> like because the, the 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 point is he's projecting it's the podium's fault that this didn't go well. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> I, podium. I do really like that. I think that's kind of funny. So
0: so uh, the podium's so gone. The podium's gone, and then so he then tries to get the back together. And so, actually, he does a pretty good job because, like, his the the big part of the presentation is coming up, and it goes over pretty well. He says, ladies oh, yeah. and gentlemen, today I present you the new face of the United States military, the Hammer Drone. And then a panel in the floor slides away, and these drones rise up. And so we get to see now what has been done to them. So we had seen the sort of... You know, the bondo gray, like basically the the vanilla version of the suits, and now they have been transformed into drones. So everything we're going to see here for the next two minutes is all the great work of industrial light and magic. This was Phenomenal. one of the first things they had they they were they were given, and they gave it to them very very early because they knew how complicated it would be. So this is also then one of the first special effects things that were finished. So all of this is CG. Like yeah, he is, Sam Rockwell is on an empty stage, so there's no things in the floor. There's nothing that like like the the one shot they do where they're first rising up across the back with the lights. I think that's a real shot, and they just add in all the stuff there because the the lights themselves that are moving around look real, right? Uh, but then like the hammer drums that come out uh, on there. So uh, these are the these are the. Army, so that's the first thing he says is army, and they raise up, and you can see they have army colors, and, and the, we get to hear uh, music playing, and it actually is the U.S. Army's The Army Goes Rolling Along, the Quezon Song. Yes. So, um, the United States Navy, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, and the Coast Guard had all had their officially adopted songs, but the army did not have their own. They were the last ones to get it. So, in 1948, they had a contest to get it and they uh but they couldn't really find one that they liked so in 1952 the secretary of the army frank pace asked the music industry to submit songs so he like went out to basically two professional musicians and said can you help us have an army song (laughs) so he got they got more than 800 submissions uh and so the uh, the one that won was the army's always there Uh, What? That's not the army goes rolling along No! (laughs) But actually it was the one That won the contest and they actually performed it At Dwight D. Eisenhower's inaugural parade uh, In 1953 But they decided not to use it Because they realized the tune For the army is always there Was very similar to a very popular song At the time called I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts
1: Well, This is one of the greatest If you're a military buff of any kind If you know anything about this (laughs) This is one of the weirdest stories ever, because yeah, and I couldn't find. I didn't listen to. I mean, okay, the nineteen. It's a nineteen forty song. Yeah, it, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Is mm-hmm. not a surprising title for a song from the late forties. D- can you hear the song? Does it sound similar? Like I couldn't find. I, I have not, I've
0: not. Yeah, So I've. I found I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts because that's before. But the <laughs> finding a version of the army's always there right. uh, was, was was is a lot more difficult to track down. But. For those of you who uh, wonder what the song sounds like, you've heard it. uh, Because they sing a verse of I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts in The Lion King. (gasps) When Zazu is being uh, captured, and that's Scar's favorite song. So that is what he sings to him to calm him down. I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts, there they all are standing on a row... Uh, so uh, anyway, that's so, not going
1: to work. Yeah, that's no, okay. No. that makes sense. So
0: they decided, so they, everybody decided to keep the melody from the U.S. Field Artillery March, but they decided to write new lyrics for it. So Harold W. Arberg was a music uh, advisor to the Adjunct General. He submitted lyrics, basically what we know today, and they were accepted. So the Secretary of the Army Wilbur Marion Brucker dedicated the music on Veterans Day, November eleventh, nineteen fifty-six. So the song is played at the conclusion of most U.S. military ceremonies, and all soldiers are expected to stand at attention and sing. When more than one service song is played, they are played in the order specified by the Department of Defense Directive. Yes, that's right. The (laughs) Defense Directive actually says this is the order they need to be played in, and it is not the order that is played here. (laughs) So we're going to hear these songs, and Justin Hammer is playing them in the wrong order. So it's supposed to be Army then Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and then Coast Guard. But that's well, not the order that Justin plays them in. So well, somewhere well, no, there's a DoD person out there, like, <laughs>
1: well, you know why he plays them in this order? Because this is the classic nineteen like eighties television commercial.
0: Oh, I was gonna think from Stripes. Well, but, but yes, that's that, what that's, that's based what on. That's yeah. based on the Army, Army Navy, Navy, Air, Air Force, Force, Marines. Marines
1: what a great place it's a great place to start <laughs> like that's that I remember
0: that commercial yeah
1: me too yeah no he's he's going yeah this is not the correct order obviously but well not obviously most people wouldn't know that but yeah
0: so the lyrics uh go first to fight for the right and to build the nation's might and the army goes rolling along. Proud of all we have done, fighting till the battle's won, and the army goes rolling along. I'm not going to sing it for you. Sorry, I think. I wonder if that great. might be... Yeah, it, it might be... Uh, yeah, you know, uh, treasonous. If I sing it badly, so I don't want to yeah, no take the chance him. of it. And I actually know some people who are members of the army or, or former members of the of particularly the army, and they take this stuff very seriously. So, uh, yes. However, a person who does not take this very seriously <laughs> is Tom Lair, because at the time he was a mus- musical comedian. He's actually still alive right now, but uh, it, it, interestingly, he recently took all of his humorous songs and gave them to the public. He basically oh, said, yeah. "All my songs." He put them out there, so he still is uh, a nice. Still alive today, uh, but he decided he was going to uh, submit his own song uh, for consideration during that time that they were asking for uh, submissions. So he wrote a song called "It Makes a Fellow Proud to Be a Soldier," and it's pretty obvious why it wasn't chosen. Uh, so I've <laughs> I've uh, picked out one lyric. Uh, that he, that he had in this song. Uh, and it says, I'm not going to sing it as well, but you can find it online. Uh, after Johnny got through basic training, he was a soldier through and through. When he was done, the effects were so well rooted that the next day he saluted a good humor man, an usher, and a nun.
1: What? I mean, that's Tom Blair. <laughs> that's Tom Blair. He's very,
0: very smart, funny, as opposed to no, like dirty. And his funny. The
1: periodic table of elements song, yep,
0: which is yep. what and, most people probably know for him and, for. And Poisoning Pigeons in the Park. I think that's yes, probably a I, I, uh,
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad. I wasn't expecting we were going to go into the deep dive on the music, but I'm glad we <laughs> sure. did because, no, this is, this is such like surprise a you. wonderful sequence. Mm-hmm. I cannot say this enough. This is one of the neatest. The amount of love and attention that went in to the production of this, this whole, this part going on to the next minute. Yeah. The introduction of these drones. You know, we just said, I mean, you know, the, the one thing that I think the Justin Hammer character in this period of the movie benefits from is even though he's dorky, even though he's picking the wrong things to say at the wrong time. Yeah. He knows this introduction is strong. And when he, when he introduces the drones. This is I mean, this is like what a Google presentation and an Apple presentation look like today. Yeah. The entire back part of the stage is just one big digital screen and you've got the whole like animated spotlights that are all around it. And as soon as he introduces them, the music kicks in, like, you know, like we've been saying, but there's this amazing footage That looks tremendous of the army playing. And it's just got this big, beautiful typeset army. And as they rise from the smoke, I mean, it's the theatrics are absolutely incredible. If you were someone in this audience, you'd go Oh, I don't care if this guy's a dork. This is amazing. Yeah, like, that's I'm the thing that's so... cool about
0: this is it's a really good presentation. Yes, I mean, like even just the way they've had set up in the first in the first minute, like you know, uh, here and, and before was sort of like, oh, this is going to be a goof. Like he's going to fall on his face or whatever. But like, no, this is like this. Like I can see that. The DOD would have been like drooling, like, oh yes, yeah. like I want that.
1: <laughs> well, and, and the great part about this is not just the whole which and we're gonna get into there's even more, there's much more attention sure. to detail in this. Yeah. But they flash, they they cut then to another shot of Pepper and Natasha in the in the seats. And Pepper looks over to her like, oh, oh this how did he do this? And okay, here's my question, because I've always been curious about this. Mm-hmm. Well, Natasha looks at her. And she kind of is she acting or is she genuinely just
0: as surprised? I think she's genuinely surprised. Like, I, I don't think anybody really knew this was coming. Like, even the, like, as far as we know, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't have anyone inside Hammer. And oh, so, this yeah. uh, everything that we're seeing here has been put together in the last three days. Oh, yeah. When you right. I mean, I'd have this. to look, I'd actually have to look up the timeline to find out what it was. But essentially, by the, the, uh, MCU timeline. If I'm remembering correctly, this is this is only like a couple of days after Ivan, you know, uh, right died right, right. In, right. in police custody.
1: I would okay, say well less, that, less than a week. Well, it's amazing because no, their reactions sell it. I mean, it isn't yeah. just. In fact, and they don't need to sell it because the actual presentation is so good. That's right. the part that's amazing. Now we're not going to be able to fully enjoy the complexity of this until the next minute. So here's a little right. tease. Yeah, exactly. but as we see these drones come up, we see immediately these look like legitimate. I mean, they are legitimate drones, right? Yeah. I mean, they look amazing um and there's incredible detail online that you can get into the, the armaments and everything that these yeah. have
0: he talks about all the different um how you want to have different weaponry for each one so like the uh, army ones have a long sort of howitzer cannon on the side it's like I guess it's called the bushmaster which I find interesting right. because there's also a uh, Marvel character named Bushmaster uh, yes. <laughs> but yeah so they they have those and, they, and so they have different armaments than the other ones and so we'll get into those as we go along
1: yeah the, uh, uh, and bushmaster is is, is an actual weapon they're a they're a weapons company that is is a real company they exist today yeah. um but okay what i love though is is when you see this okay so the two big things you see about these these kind of look like the same drones that we've seen earlier in the movie mm-hmm. but one they're army green now yes they've got designation paints you know, you know painting on them that you would kind of think of if you saw a tank so right. if you think of what a tank looks like an army you would think you would associate that with the army that's what you see here and I love that you've got that. You've got this big. It's the Bushmaster M242 gun. And then they've got on looks like on uh, either one or both arms, these grenade launchers. So <laughs> yeah. they're they're literally walking tanks. Yeah. Um. And you can't see it. You can kind of see it just a little bit in the sequence. But you'd also you can also see and you'll see this play out in, in a later minute. Their um foot area actually has uh these basically anchor spikes that come out from the foot. And you'll see that and you can and you can't see it in, in a little bit, as you see, as the camera pans. But I just love the fact that okay, if you had any interest in the military and you said, make me an army drone, but not, you know, like not in mm-hmm. the other branches. This is such a great creative realization of that yeah. in terms of the color and the design and the armaments. Oh, I just OK. I just think this is so cool the way they've done this. <laughs> I wish there were more toys. A little side uh-huh. note on this: there have been replicas made by some Japanese toy companies, and like of the hot toys variety. So they're mm. very expensive. Oh, very
0: expensive. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're very expensive. They've never done. Okay, hello Hasbro <laughs> Marvel Legends. <laughs> yeah, the 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 four pack you're missing is the four pack of the hammer drones in the Marvel Legends scale. Would be
0: incredible. Here's the, here, here's I, I will I will counter there that, or to add on to it, I will say, here's what you need to do, has Pulse. Yes. A two-pack of Justin Hammer and a drone. And then, you can have the different types of drones as secondary ones to all your other papers. So like Target gets Air Force and Walmart oh. gets Navy and, the, you know, spreading no. their stuff around. It's a way for you to multi-market all that kind of stuff because I just want a Justin Hammer figure, please. Okay, I want. Stop. I have $20 in my hand. I want okay, to wait. give it to you, Hasbro. Let me have a Justin <laughs> Hammer figure.
1: Wait, can I just say something to you? First of all, you, okay, this is a weird episode, everybody. Oh, yeah. We went all over the place. Yes, we did. You do not want them to do that because here's the deal. Anybody who's tried to collect the recent G.I. Joe classified figures knows Target cannot be trusted (laughs) to adequately stock anything.
0: So I don't, don't I don't disagree that. with you. I I've tried to cl- get those Jejo figures myself, but this is the Hasbro seems to really like that marketing model. Okay. So man, help so, me out here. I'm trying to get or, them okay, to get me okay. a Justin Hammer figure. If they love that kind of multi marketing, spreading out to multiple consumers, original exclusive to retailers, let them have their fun.
1: Okay, maybe maybe just put it on Hasbro. Or guess what? Five figure five figure pack for the four drones, Justin Hammer throw in the acrylic podium we're sold <laughs> if you, you throw in the with podium with rolling wheels <laughs> oh my god would that be amazing i mean i would i would put in a new shelf just for that set because that's
0: how awesome this is it's, hey his 10-year anniversary just uh, passed why didn't they do this
1: i know okay so what we digress. Anyway, yeah, we digress. So, so it's, it's been an episode of Digress. So then no, no. He says,
0: Navy! And that's where the minute comes to an end. Yeah, we, we actually don't get we, to see the Navy drones. They literally stop well, He does, it says Navy. He does a really cool, like, I don't know what it's
1: called, when he his hands go apart, like he's sliding. I would say sliding. a flourish. A flourish. It's a flourish. It's a flourish. He says, Navy, an aircraft carrier appears on the screen, and that's it. Oh my God! I can't wait to talk about the rest. Oh, you have to I listen know. to tomorrow. You have to listen. You to... have to listen to the next episode. That's right, because there's so much more amazing details yes, to talk and, about,
0: and especially about music. So <laughs> you're not yeah, going that, to that want too. to miss it. Um, so in the meantime, while you're waiting for that to drop, you know what you could do is. Leave us a review. That's right. We uh we live and die by our reviews, mostly live. Uh, so if you go to wherever you catch your pods, if it's, if it's Apple Music, if it's Google Podcast, if it's Pocket Cast, if it's Spotify, uh, and drop some happy words in there about what you like. And they, I really like it when they go on long attentions that have very little to do with the movie. Well, then you're in the, the, listening to the correct episode because that's one of the fun things that we do. Um, uh, let us know. I, like it helps us know what you're liking about the show and it also helps other people to find the show and if there's a place to leave a positive thing maybe a thumbs up or possibly a number of stars, my favorite number of stars happens to be five so do as thou wilt Uh, in the meantime, be back here for Minute 95 as we continue the parade of drones and then we'll also find out what the acronym VTRBS stands for you don't want to miss that enough said, bye